This is Clayton for Podcast Radio Business, and we're joined by Eddie Lamb, Director, Cyber Education and Advisory at Hiscox. And we're here to discuss why small businesses are a growing target for cyber criminals. Thank you for joining us, Eddie. Thanks very much, Clayton. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Eddie, please tell us more about your role at Hiscox. I joined Hiscox in September 2019, and I lead our cyber education and advisory services for the Hiscox group. So my role is global. I look after our interests from the US into the UK and through into Europe, and also the business that we write within the Lloyds of London market space. My job title gives away some of some of my responsibilities when we talk about education. That's very much focused on our internal people, so helping to raise the technical knowledge of the cyber threat within our own business. But it does also include outreach-style activities um, such as this, for example. This is very much an educational activity. And then on the advisory side, that's very much working hand-in-glove with our clients to help them understand the latest threats that they might face and what they could do potentially to help manage their risks. So Hiscox has been in this space for quite some time. And you've created the Hiscox Cyber Readiness Report, which really highlights the increasing prevalence of cyber attacks on businesses, both large and small. Could you provide us with an overview of the key findings from the report? Absolutely. Uh, this is the seventh year that we, we've prepared the readiness report and the amount of work that goes into uh, the research is astronomical. We survey uh, 5,000 businesses across eight different countries. And this year's uh, findings are just as insightful as ever. Uh, if you look at the headlines, so there's the headline statistics, we, we recorded this year that 53% of all businesses in our survey group had experienced one or more cyber attacks. And that's an increase uh, since last year of 5%. And what we've seen over the course of the last four years is this continuous upward trend in the in the volume of cyber attacks that businesses are experiencing. This year, for example, it, it marks the uh, statistical tipping point where we're looking at it's more likely than not that a business would experience one or more cyber attacks. Um, the security industry, of course, has been has been warning uh, businesses for a number of years that the uh, the need to plan for for a cyber attack is all based on the principle of when it happens and not if. And I think certainly our research now now supports that particular principle. Yeah. So especially when we think of small businesses, we often think obviously that you know businesses are large corporations, and we tend to focus in those people who become compromised or hacked as a result of a cyber threat. But in real practical terms, in the UK, it's something like 99.6, 99.7, the the last digit goes up and down, of businesses in the UK are small businesses. And also at the same time, most businesses are actually micro-businesses, which has got usually one to nine employees involved. They tend to be particularly vulnerable to cyber attacks. So what forms might contribute to this increased vulnerability apart from the size of the the companies? Mm. 
I mean, if you look at the UK, as, as you rightly described, there's over five and a half million small to medium businesses and they contribute significantly to economic productivity. They are often embedded within value streams and employ significant numbers of people. And when you look at the statistics from our own report, what we're seeing is, um, a very sort of what's well, the pace of growth uh, of targeting that we're we're sort of concerned about within the within the small business space. I mean, uh, this year we we had thirty six percent of small businesses, and what we're what we're saying by that is businesses with ten employees or or less are uh, or, or did experience one or more cyber attacks in the past twelve months. And that's grown. Um, so over the course of the last three years, that's grown by 50%. So three years ago, that was uh, only 23% of small businesses had experienced a cyber attack. And I think what we can see there is that cyber criminals have worked out that the small to medium space is a very lucrative proposition for them and are now zeroing in on that, on that opportunity. When we hear that there has been a compromise or a break into someone's system, it usually via email. Now people get hundreds. I've just opened up my inbox this morning and there's loads of them. There's people that I know that you're a scammer or you're, you're a person here to compromise, but there are obviously people who find a way of getting in. And when you have a receptionist or maybe a business owner who's by themselves, you know, working in a very small business under a lot of pressure, Emails are coming in left, right and center. How can businesses protect themselves when these emails are coming in thick and fast? I mean, naturally, we need to be open for business. Uh, it's nice to hear you've had quite so many emails this morning, obviously <laughs> a lot more popular than I am, Clayson. Um, but, but yes, absolutely. We need to have our doors open. And email, of course, is one of those routes into our businesses to trade and transact and communicate with, with the outside world. And that's an absolutely necessary, absolutely essential component of any business. But of course it does does leave the door open for malicious uh, use. So when we consider sort of business email compromise as it, its sort of official term, today still remains the hacker's weapon of choice. It's the sort of um, the number one reported way that hackers enter a business, whether that is through fraudulent um, emails, impersonation, um, intimidation. There's lots of different lots of different techniques that can be exploited over email routes. And for small businesses, of course, that's challenging. We've got to have our doors open. We've got to be responsive to new opportunities as they arrive. And of course, hackers are trying to perhaps impersonate or a confidence trick of some description, trying to encourage business owners that maybe there's a good opportunity for them that they should be in, invested in or interested in. So really trying to get that sort of relationship established before they sort of take perhaps control of the mail system and then start to abuse the use of it. For themselves. Indeed. And that moves us on to ransomware. Whereas when I was a young man, you'd find yourself watching an American TV series where somebody would kidnap somebody and say, you know, give me $50,000 or the person gets it or whatever the case <laughs> may be. Now it seems to be that it's not humans that are being kidnapped. It's your data and your documentation. These are a significant concern for businesses. Can you elaborate on the trends in ransomware attacks as I seem to be totally out of the loop in terms of my 1970s um, <laughs> perception? 
Very good. Um, I mean, ransom as a business model has been around for thousands of years. In fact, I think Julius Caesar is, in fact, one of the first people to have ever been held to ransom. And he actually negotiated his ransom price up, um, which, of course, <laughs> is, is, a, is a, a very unusual tactic. Um, so, yeah, the, the model of ransom has been around for, for a very long time. And naturally, with the digital Evolu the evolution of technology and um, we've seen the criminal model of ransom move into the technological space so the criminal model there's been around for a very long time ransomware of course isn't necessarily that new either we've been seeing ransomware attacks since perhaps the early 80s but of course with the advent of um modern means of communication like email and instant messaging and the introduction of technologies like cryptocurrencies we've really helped us sort of bring about the ransomware problem we've been experiencing significant ransomware issues since probably around 2017 they really sort of culminated around the 2019 period where we had a real epidemic of ransomware within businesses that's definitely sort of plateaued at this point, but it's of course still at a very, a very high level um, in terms of businesses that experience ransomware attacks. I think one in five businesses today um, re record um, ransomware attacks having taken place in the last sort of 12 months. They're very destructive. So traditional ransomware tends to come into your business and encrypt your data, making it unavailable for your use. Oftentimes is accompanied with, you know, systems going down or the, the laptop that you're sat in front of will lock out. So you can't access any of the information or system, you know, services or apps that you might, you might be using on it. So it's very disruptive, um, and very destructive. In fact, um, the, the leverage that the extortion demand. So when hackers are asking for a demand to be met, um, usually, fulfilled in, in cryptocurrencies of some description is to provide you with a secret key and that secret key uh, will allow you to unlock unlock your machines unlock your data and get your business back up and running so it's, it's been a very lucrative form of extortion for hackers for, for a number of years because of course data is crucial to our to our business if we don't know who our customers are or who to send orders to or um we can't access our email or our communication systems then we are technically dark um, we're in, we're in the dark we're offline and that's very very damaging for a business the revenue loss of course can be felt uh, almost instantly at that point. And that's very good leverage. Um, if, you, if you're a hacker, you're applying this sort of time sensitivity, the, the, the time pressure to the victim themselves in an attempt to extort them and make them pay for the decryption key itself. What we have seen though, in terms of the evolution, is hackers moving into not just encrypting uh, their victim's data, but also stealing large volumes of data in 2019 2020 we saw this really sort of emerge as the plan b for hackers so it might be for example that their victims data has been encrypted but the victims been able to reinstate the data from a backup and has therefore sort of negated the extortion demand itself so by stealing data sensitive data that came in to be the sort of plan b option so so i had a sort of backup plan as a hacker if plan a doesn't work they still might get paid on on plan b what we've seen over the course of the certainly the last two years is a, is a significant swing in the tactics that ransomware operators are using so encrypting ransomware is still is still being used and it is very destructive 
increasingly so we're seeing um, clients be extorted on the basis that they want to protect their, their customer data. Hackers come in and they've stolen elements of the, the customer database that they might own or perhaps intellectual property, anything of sensitivity to the business. And extortion is then leveraged on the return or the destruction of the data that's been stolen. So it's an evolving tactic. Ransomware is an evolving tactic. It's been, it's been in an evolutionary state for a couple of thousand years. So we should really expect it to continue to evolve over the course of time. Indeed. And thank you for that. What is fascinating for me is that one in eight of these attacks cost at least $250,000. Now, if I've got a small bakery or I'm selling fish and chips or I'm even just a one man accountant, that's money that I just don't have. So I think a lot of people naturally will try to mitigate that potential loss by getting involved in cyber insurance. And how does that actually work? I think cyber insurance is, is quite misunderstood. I came from a consulting background before I, before I came into insurance. I worked with uh, large management consulting firms and I didn't really understand how in cyber insurance worked. Um, obviously coming into the sector now, my understanding always marginally better, <laughs> I would argue. <laughs> the ransom itself might constitute a very small component of the overall damages that, that the victim is going to suffer. They're likely to also include business interruption losses. So during the period that they're out, they're unable to operate, they're losing revenue. So business interruption costs tend to, tend to come up quite, quite frequently and quite quickly. There's also legal coverage, particularly when, um, privacy data, so customer data has been, has been stolen or compromised. Uh, there'll be a need to go through a legal process to notify regulators of the loss of data and potentially to communicate with your customers about what you're doing with the, with the damage or the, the loss of their, their data. Um, there's in, naturally to recover the business itself. That's a technical operation. It requires technical specialists to come in and to examine what's happened, say digital forensics, to examine what's actually happened, how the breach took place, and then how we go about resolving the current situation for the client and then to restore the business, you know, to, to its state prior to the attack taking place. So there's an awful lot included in the recovery of a business following, following a cyber attack of some description and cyber insurance, of course helps to provide for, for the business during that, during that critical moment. So, you know, if you have a breach and you're insured, you can contact your insurer. They'll have on hand, uh, technical experts, instant response specialists, digital forensic specialists to come out and examine what's happened and to try and get your business back up and running as quickly as you possibly, as they possibly can. There's legal expertise on hand. If there's brand associated damage, then perhaps PR uh, might be able to help to minimize some of the damages that the, the business is experiencing. So it's a very complex set of multi-skilled multi team, essentially, to, to come in and help restore the business following an incident. Cyber insurance provides uh, for the financial losses associated with that but also the provision of the services needed to get the business reestablished. We're looking at the negative side of these uh, cyber attacks and these breaches. Can you provide examples of any business that have successfully managed to recover from cyber attacks? And if so, what lessons can our podcast radio business listeners 
learn from this? I, I think that's a really, really important uh, distinction between the um, breach occurring and how you deal with it. Um, so what can a business do to minimize its exposure, uh, perhaps to protect itself against an attack taking place? And then if you're in the situation where it's unavoidable or the hacker has used such advanced techniques that they've been able, been able to overcome the barriers that you've put in place, is how do you then deal with the consequences of the, of the attack itself? So defensive mechanisms naturally are are crucial so if we have defensive uh, technologies perhaps like endpoint detection and response which is really just a, a modern day antivirus technology it looks at behavior on a device itself to determine whether or not there's anything suspicious happening really is there a virus that is trying to connect to a you know a hacker server somewhere on the internet stuff like that that's a really useful piece of technology today endpoint detection response is incredibly effective at identifying and preventing unauthorized activity on a, on a device on a machine so a super useful piece of technology patching today means we've got so many pieces of software installed on our devices I and mean, if i look at my iphone now i imagine there's probably you know over half a dozen a dozen maybe apps that need need updating it's a constant cycle oftentimes patches are released because there is a security problem with the software the vulnerability is being discovered and it's allowed a hacker maybe access into the software itself or the, or the user's device patching is is difficult um, there's a lot of software in circulation today there's no easy answer to how we do it, but maintaining a, a sort of constant routine cycle of keeping our software up to date um, so that we have the best chance of blocking any routes of access that a hacker a hacker might be might be able to exploit. You talked about business email compromise today is still the sort of hacker's weapon of choice. It really is email tools, so email hygiene tools or tools that look to block spam or phishing emails uh, coming into your your mail system itself and most of the big mail providers today offer some form of this by default and there are enhancements that you can add to the sort of mail the mail scanning the mail hygiene services it's a bit like having a filter on your letterbox isn't it it's you know people can put legitimate letters through through your letterbox but they, they can't put spam or <laughs> would you like to buy you know some some timeshare in on mars you know <laughs> stuff stuff like that's not going to get through the mailbox and we can do a very similar thing with with digital mail with email uh, so using using techniques like that which focus very much around or in response to the, the techniques that we're seeing hackers use most commonly today. And I think that's really important from a uh, risk management perspective to consider what's relevant today and how are hackers actually seeking to exploit us so that we can focus our resource into that particular problem as opposed to trying to spread our resource across sort of all bases and hope that perhaps we've got you know some, something in place. So there's loads of things that businesses can do to help minimize their their exposure to defend themselves against the threat of course that's not always going to be successful and when we move into the sort of post-breach scenario this is very much about how a business uh, responds to a crisis it really is i'd say today you know that the, the statistical chance of you having an attack is more likely than not the security industry has been warning about when an attack takes place not if an attack takes place and i think that's a really important message 
So it's all to do with, and I think success at that point is to do with how business deals with the crisis itself. Are you dealing with the problem transparently? You know, do your customers know what's going on? Are you dealing with the, the problem confidently? Do you know what to do in the event of a crisis and what you would do if you experienced a ransomware? How quickly could you restore your systems or, um, you know, how, how long could you be offline for before a business impact is realized before you start to, to lose revenue or customers start to be impacted by the loss of your service? So I think there's sort of two ends of the spectrum there. There's what you can do to prevent it from happening. And then there is what you can do to um, ensure that your response to that problem is as professional and as confident as it possibly can be. Cyber insurance is becoming increasingly common. And Hiscox are one of the companies that are spearheading that. What should businesses consider when they're selecting and implementing these cyber insurance policies? Cyber insurance forms part of a risk management decision. Um, we're all managing risk all the time. I mean, you park your car on a street late at night and you're actually assessing risk there and then for yourself. We just don't always realise perhaps that we're doing it. And cyber is a business risk today, which we understand is being, you know, routinely accepted as the norm. I think, and we do have to accept that the cyber threat is here, is here to stay. That's not going to go anywhere in the short term. So understanding the role that insurance can play for your business, I think is part of the risk management decision that goes into why you would spend money on anything. Um, you know, whether or not you think it's necessary to invest in New, new technology or a new building or otherwise. So I think, you know, the, the, the decision there is all about risk management. When you're looking for insurance, I think there are some really common characteristics um, that the primary benefits really that most insurers would offer. Certainly Hiscox offers instant response and forensic services. I mean, if you don't feel 100% confident and from our own research, Lots of, lots of businesses say that they're not entirely comfortable with what they would do in a cyber attack. They don't really know what, what response looks like or what, what actions they should, they should take. And I think, uh, having experts at hand, experts on, on hand to come and help you through that process is priceless. Um, and that's part of a, that's part of a standard, uh, insurance package today to have an incident response and forensics team to, to come to you. I spent uh, a number of years working. As a chief information security officer, um, which, which is ultimately the sort of where the buck stops for security in a, in a very large outfit. And, um, we, we were an, we, we were in a sector that, um, was very difficult to get any form of insurance coverage. So we didn't have insurance as an option back then. Um, but we did have incident response teams um, on standby to come and support us in the event of a crisis. And that was really confidence inspiring. I knew that I wasn't going to have to deal with this problem on my own. I could bring in some specialists that were going to help support me through support me through what is actually a very stressful and very emotional time. I mean, you can kind of laugh about it afterwards, uh, but at the time it really isn't funny. Um, it's really quite stressful. It can be really emotional um, for you and your team and your business. And having experts on hand that can come in, they just give you that sort of that confidence to deal with the problem. They've got expertise. They do this on a regular basis. So they know exactly how the process works, particularly if you're sort of stuck in a extortion related attack with, with a hacker, they'll help you understand the nature of the extortion and how it's working and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's, that's really important. 
um, to have that, that kind of skill set at your disposal. I've found it incredibly useful over the course of my career. The legal aspects, I mean, it's complicated today. A cyber breach comes with lots of legal complications, particularly if privacy data has been stolen. It's going to need to be notifications oftentimes to regulators, and that's complicated. That's a complicated process. Um, equally, there'll be a need to contact your customers, perhaps to implement things like uh, credit watch or credit monitoring for your customers if any of their payment data has been compromised. So it's a whole raft of challenges that small businesses then have to deal with post-breach. So you have the sort of build up to and perhaps sort of you're defending against an attack. That attack becomes successful. You then are dealing with the immediate consequences of, which is really all about restoring your business back to its state of operations. And then there's going to be a period of mop-up activities where you're dealing with the sort of long tail of the problem itself, you know, all of the notifications or legal implications. Perhaps there is some legal challenge to to how the, the breach occurred or whether or not you were taking the right steps to protect data itself. So this, it can be quite a long process. And cyber insurance covers clients through through that through that cycle. And it's um, I, I would argue it's a very confidence inspiring thing. When you look at the the differences um, in larger businesses and smaller businesses, what we we look at maturity, we measure something known as maturity. This is the way in which uh, business is managing its risks, essentially the types of control that it might be using and how they're operated, how that control is actually operated in the run of running of the business itself and and bigger businesses naturally tend to have higher levels of maturity because they have sort of larger budgets one of the, one, one of the core characteristics actually outside of budgets is that they have dedicated people looking after security for their business um, so instead of it being sort of no one's responsibility or a shared responsibility or 10% of somebody's time this is a dedicated role and and naturally when you dedicate time to something it has the opportunity to grow and you can innovate, you can sort of aff afford more, t more time to its development. So naturally it will grow at, at a sort of faster rate and uh, bigger businesses tend to have more maturity. What we see in that space, not only with the sort of dedicated leadership is we see um, larger businesses understand the need to have insurance. They understand the need that to have experts on hand to be able to support them in the event that there is a breach. They also see that as an opportunity to help their customers understand that they are taking their cyber risk seriously and assessing the spectrum of risk that they're exposed to and applying controls in their sort of mitigation of the risk, but also that they're sharing some of the risk with, a, with, with an insurer that can help them through a very difficult process in the event that they have a breach. It's not, it's not just on them, basically. They have partners on hand to support them. The last thing that I need to ask you before we close off today, where can our podcast radio business listeners go to for more information? Well, the Hiscox uh, Readiness Report is there for everybody. Um, it's very much the sort of sharing of our insights. Um, and, you know, cybersecurity is a, is a team sport. It's all about helping one another. Um, so you can just pop along to the, the, the Hiscox website. Um, you can Google Hiscox uh, Readiness Report. It will undoubtedly be one of the first things that you'll come across. Uh, we do also have 
online a uh, cyber maturity assessment tool. It's a really useful tool. Um, what it allows you to do is answer some sort of interactive questions online. It will then give you a score based on your responses. It will show you where you sit um, compared to businesses of the same size, sector and industry. And it also give you some useful advice on perhaps what some of the more mature businesses might be doing differently to you. So it's a really, really powerful tool. Lots of practical advice and or practical tips and, you know, sort of stuff that you could, you could be considering doing differently to, to what you're doing now. So yeah, lo lots of resources available online through his Cox website. Thank you very much for that. So Eddie Lam, Director, Cyber Education and Advisory at Hiscox. Thank you for joining us on Podcast Radio Business. Thank you very much for having me. You're most welcome.